there's a little witch in all of us. Welcome to the wonderful world of Wicca. I'm Lisa Miranda, and this is the Wine Country Witch Podcast. Merry meet. I'm Lisa Miranda. Welcome to the Wine Country Witch Podcast. This is episode number two. Today, I'll be talking about spirit animals, those magical energy beings that some call totems, totem animals, animal guides, or animal messengers. They are beings that help to protect and guide us. Their home is the spirit realm, a dimension that exists alongside ours. It's also known as heaven, the other side, or, as we Wiccans call it, the Summerlands. This dimension is not removed from us, but accessible, only requiring our awareness and intention to make contact with those who dwell within it. It's where a plethora of non-physical beings reside, the gods and goddesses, as well as fairies, angels, saints, our guides, ancestors, and the great teachers like Buddha and Jesus. Our souls come from there and return there when our physical bodies die, to rejoin the parts of our souls that always remain there. Just as everyone has a spirit guide, everyone has a spirit animal. In fact, most of us have more than one. Your primary spirit animal has been with you ever since you came as a human infant into this earthly life. It has either remained by your side throughout your life joined by others that have come to you as you've required them, or faded into the background as you matured, or even disappeared altogether if you outgrew it. Perhaps it has left you and returned off and on over the years, depending on your needs and desires. It may be connected to your tribe or extended family, or handed down to you by your ancestors. It could be associated with a sports team of which you're a member or a fan, with you because of your astrological sign, or just responding to something in your soul that is calling out for it. Keep in mind that, like all the non-physical beings, spirit animals are real, not imaginary. This applies to the mythological ones as well, like dragons and unicorns. To quote the wonderful book, Animal Spirit Guides by Stephen Farmer, Spirit animals are extensions of the source, which is what I prefer to call God, or all that is, the creator, or the many who are one. Some religions, in fact, most of them do use the word God, but throughout human history, that word has been misused by making the source less than it is. So back to spirit animals. They are not evil demons, which are imaginary, by the way, nor are they psychological projections or products of wishful thinking, as a lot of people believe. They're not the same as the simple souls of their physical counterparts here on earth, of which they are the archetype. They are sentient beings made of energy who seek out souls that have chosen to incarnate in human form. They wish to inspire comfort, and heal us, as well as protect and guide us. 
we, in turn, give them purpose. Also keep in mind that you don't have to accept the help of your spirit animal or animals. As we all have free will, you can banish it or them by refusing to honor them or simply by denying their very existence. If you choose to do that, your spirit animal will leave and your life will be less full of magic. So don't, don't banish them. Don't deny their existence. Accept your spirit animal and be ready to add some goodly magic to your life. So first I'll explain how to find your primary animal and ways you can honor it. By doing so, you agree to work with it, utilizing its energy to help you in specific areas of your life. In some forms of Native American spirituality, this is called having the animal's medicine. Wiccans, such as myself, often say that we channel our animal. That is, we take on some of its characteristics by embodying its energies. So here's how to figure out your main spirit animal. When you were a child, what was your favorite animal? If you had more than one, which was the first one that you remember? Mine was the lion. The lion came to me from two sources. My favorite book, the books, rather, The Chronicles of Narnia by C.S. Lewis, and my father, who gave me a huge stuffed lion for my fifth birthday. I read The Chronicles of Narnia so often I memorized them, and to this day I still remember them almost word for word. They're partially responsible for my becoming an author, particularly a fantasy author. Those of you who have read these books know about Aslan, the magical godlike lion at the center of the stories. To me, he was a substitute for my largely absent, deeply missed father. And the gift of the stuffed lion, which didn't leave my bed until my pre-adolescence, was likewise. I outgrew my need for the lion around the age of 12 and moved on to the domestic cat. When you discover your spirit animal, you should find out as much as you can about its physical counterpart, the color, size, diet, gender, social habits, the sounds that it makes, and place of origin are all significant. Is it quiet and reserved, meek, or is it dignified and proud of itself and what it can do? Is it a grazer? Is it a carnivore, an omnivore? Is it a predator or is it considered a prey animal? For me, the lion not only symbolized my father, but the necessity of keeping my dignity in the face of abandonment. Its energies reminded me to seek other adult males to look up to, ones who could possibly provide a paternal role model and if there were none, then to rely upon my own strength and get more in touch with the assertive part of myself or the masculine part of myself, if you can want to put it that way. I needed to take pride in myself and not be the meek little sibling who tried not to stand out. The, the lion also came to me so that I would change my diet. I needed more protein, not necessarily red meat as a lion would eat, like 
a gazelle or a zebra, which obviously I wasn't going to eat. Remember, you don't take the messages uh, from your spirit animal literally uh, all the time. So I, I did feel better when I started eating g- good quality beef as a child. Uh, similarly, I began to thrive as I got more fresh air and sunshine, spent more time outdoors in good weather. Uh, the lion comes from Africa after all. And I found as I cooperated more with my extended family, things got better for me. And lions certainly cooperate with their extended family or also known as their pride. I honored my spirit animal by sending money that I'd saved, whether it was uh, allowance money or birthday money sent by grandma, to organizations that work to protect lions in the wild. And I would also post pictures of him all over my walls. I wore his likeness on my shirts and as jewelry. I had a lion necklace and a lion bracelet. I read about him and sometimes I would even roar. I would roar like him when I felt his energy move me. Mostly that happened when I was angry. And uh, I would sing about him. I would try to find songs that had the word lion in them. The only one I could find was the classic The Lion Sleeps Tonight by The Tokens, which I'm not going to sing here on my podcast because I don't want to torture you. But you get the idea. Uh, After my lion left me, I tuned into the smaller feline energy of the domestic cat. Uh, This felt like a natural move for me. We always had a cat or two as, as pets at home. And I felt that tuning into the spirit animal form of them would help me with gracefulness and flexibility as I entered my awkward years. So yes, that that was helpful. And grooming and hygiene took on a much greater emphasis um, as I became a uh, pre-adolescent. I grew interested in Egyptian history. Bast is the cat goddess after all. Uh, once I, beca- I became a vegetarian, though, about that time, and then the cat as my spirit animal receded into the background and remained there for well, for many years. I still love cats and lions, too, but I no longer feel the need to work with them as spirit animals because others started coming in. The next one to come in was a, a bird. So I became aware and of a bird. Not just any bird, though. This was the eagle, one of the animals associated with Scorpio, my astrological sign. Every astrological sign has an animal that corresponds to it or is associated with it, which I will discuss in another podcast, my one on astrology. So the eagle's appearance coincided with my newfound fascination with astrology. So I began to read every book I could uh, on astrology, but also on eagles. One of the messages that an eagle as a spirit animal gives to you is to rise above the mundane, find creative solutions to challenges, to eat more fish, such as salmon. Bald eagles love salmon. And I started to do that as well, even though I was mostly vegetarian, I would I would eat more fish and then I felt better. I felt more, I felt sharper. I felt like I could focus better when I ate more salmon. Uh, Another message from the eagle is to climb higher and find good luck and good messages at higher elevations. So occasionally our family would go to the mountains and I was felt at home there. I felt good there. 
When you have an eagle come in as a spirit animal, it might have something to do with Native American spirituality. So I started reading about that. It also corresponds to writing. Any of the bird totems have to do with writing. And part of that is because they have feathers. In Wicca, feathers are all about wind and air, about the wind and air element, which corresponds to writing and communicating. The next spirit animal that came in, and this is as the eagle was slowly fading away and I I didn't feel the need to work with its energy anymore, was the barn owl. And this came about because I was walking by a bookstore and I saw a book in the window that had a very nice cover of an adorable little barn owl called um, Wesley the Owl. And uh, I thought, you know, I'm going to read about that. And then I just became fascinated with barn owls. The messages that they convey to you when you're working with them is to find the right person to marry or to stay with. Uh, Stay with that person despite problems and adversity to parent well as a team. Barn owls mate for life and they're monogamous. So when you have one come in as a spirit animal, that's part of the message that they are sending to you. They are very good parents to their owlets, to their babies, and both mother and father take care of them. The mother guards the nests and the, the nest and the father goes out and hunts for mice. It's one of the messages too is to explore your psychic abilities. Uh, if you are working with barn owl energy, it's very likely that you may be able to contact those who have crossed over to the Summerlands. You're, uh, in my case, this was my biological father who'd crossed over and my great-grandmother I, and um, my grandpa, Jack. I felt like I could contact them more easily and hear some of the messages they had for me, which was basically, hello, hi, how you doing? Keeping an eye on you and helping you out in your life along the way here. Uh, Another message from Barn Owl is to work at night because they are nocturnal after all. They are basically white birds. They do have some gold in them, but white is going to be significant to you if you're working with Barn Owls. Remember, the color of your spirit animal is very significant. There's a message there for you about that. I started wearing more white and going outside and trying to work in the moonlight because that's another association with the barn owl. And again, writing and feathers. That's all associated with this particular spirit animal. The only song that I was able to find that mentioned owls was called The Mummer's Dance by the wonderful Lorena McKennett. So I started listening to that and just, it was a way of tuning in to that energy. About the same time, I started becoming fascinated with lynxes. Now, I've always loved cats, as I said earlier, and the lynx, I just thought they were incredible, incredibly beautiful animals, and I loved the little black points on their ears and their big paws that acted like snowshoes as they walked through the snow. So I started reading about them and their significance as a spirit animal. Uh, Some of the messages that they convey are to seek peace and solitude, to develop clairvoyance, which is psychic seeing, so having intuitive sight, clairaudience, that's being able to hear voices, to hear those who've crossed over, 
to help others realize their hidden abilities, to help others see that they have talents that perhaps they were not aware of or or are not using. When you work with Lynx Energy also, it's a reminder to keep secrets, to keep confidences, because people will start to share these with you more and more as you work with Lynx. Uh, Good luck is found in cold weather and snow and the northern direction. Also, if you happen to be exploring gods and goddesses, as I was around this time, and you're working with Lynx Energy, you may find yourself drawn to the Norse goddess of love, Freya. She rides through the sky on a chariot pulled by two giant lynx. Beagold and Treegold are their names. And so I started exploring that and just getting into the whole Norse mythology and not just mythology, but the actual beings, the gods and goddesses that reside in the spirit realm. So working with Freya, I got a little statue of her and started reading about her and just tentatively started reaching out to her and finding that there's a lot of interesting things about her, which I will talk about in another podcast about the gods and goddesses. So I felt that I had enough to deal with here. My eagle and lion and cat had all faded into the background, so I'm working with barn owl and lynx. These are two very powerful spirit animals to work with, so... I felt like that was plenty, and I started writing, writing my my first book, which was a fantasy, and feeling like the energy of the barn owl and the lynx were both being very inspirational and helpful to me. So I thought it was enough to have two, and you may feel this way, and when you do that, another one may suddenly appear. Now, This can happen in a couple of different ways. Usually with spirit animals, they come to you and they keep coming to you over and over again as, you know, just in case you didn't get the message the first time that this animal has chosen you and has decided to work with you and would like you to turn around and acknowledge it. So that's the difference between really a spirit animal and getting a message from an animal, which can happen with any species to anyone, usually just once or twice or very rarely, whereas a spirit animal will stick with you for a much longer period of time and possibly forever, possibly your entire life. So I felt like this with the barn owl spirit animal, which I named. Now, I hadn't done that with my lion or cat or eagle. I hadn't given them a name, but I felt like this one had a very distinct personality, this barn owl. So I named him Merlin. And uh, the lynx, I decided to name Percy, short for Percival, which means pierce the veil, which I thought was very appropriate. So, you know, hanging out with, with my barn owl, Merlin, and my lynx, Percy, feeling pretty good working with them. And then I went to Los Angeles to visit my daughter. And I went to a concert before I went to visit her. And at the concert, the singer, a lovely, extremely talented woman named Bonnie Murray Tamblin, said she was going to sing a song called Raven. And when she said this, she looked right at me in the audience and she pointed to me and started singing this wonderful song called Raven. And I looked at her and nodded and smiled and then looked up at the ceiling and said, yes, okay, I got the message. Okay, I'm so I'm Raven's coming in now. So 
your spirit animal can find you by someone telling you, oh, yes, okay, this is what I see. I see that you have this, this animal coming in that you may not be aware of. But in my case, ravens and crows are, are closely related. They're different, but they're cousins. And crows are all over the place here in Sonoma County, Northern California. They follow my car when I go, when I drive around. I've fed them in the past, so I think they recognize me. The ravens you see more the further west you go from Santa Rosa. So as you head out towards Guerneville and Bodega Bay, two of my other favorite magical places in this area, you see fewer crows and more ravens. Ravens are bigger. Their call sounds more more like a croak, not a caw-caw like crows. But like crows and like barn owls, for that matter, they are monogamous and mate for life, which I thought was wonderful. And they're all about recognizing the magic that's all around you, the magic that's within you. They're about prophecy. So things that you think might happen or think might come true in the future will when you start working with raven medicine. Ravens are about dreams coming true, intentions manifesting, having a faithful spouse, and also the fact that the color black is lucky. It's very protective for everyone, but when you start working with the raven as a spirit animal, you'll find that color start coming up more and more and that it will bring you good luck. Also, you'll find that you are able to communicate with animals. Now, when I say that, I don't necessarily mean you know what they're thinking or you can understand them when they call or bark or meow, but you might. And you might be able to anticipate their needs or just understand them better when you start working with raven medicine. Uh, with the raven too, the message I was getting is that I should eat more uh, more of a varied diet. Ra- ravens are omnivores, um, berries and seeds and nuts. And I found that to be helpful to my digestion at that time. So I started doing that. Uh, again, writing because they have feathers. And so I started writing more and I found that the sequels I was writing to my first book were a lot darker, uh, which makes sense working with Raven and uh, had to do with more about death and transformation and communicating with those who'd crossed over, who physical bodies have died. Notice that's how I refer to them, not ghosts, which they are not, uh, and not dead people because I don't like that term. Your soul never dies, your soul's eternal. So communicating with souls who are no longer in physical form. That's how I prefer to refer to them. And uh, the song, of course, that I started singing and humming to myself all the time was Raven by Bonnie Murray Tamblin. So I want to say thank you to her for helping me to realize that the raven was coming in as my new spirit animal. So now I have, oh, and by the way, I named that raven Minstrel after one of the ravens in my book because I had to include a raven in my book, of course. So now I'm working with three spirit animals. I've got my barn owl Merlin, and I've got my lynx Percy, and I have my raven minstrel. Three. Three is a goodly number. Three is a magic number, and I will be talking about numbers at some point, but I felt, you know, that's that's a good number to work with. I, I know I said that about two, and then finally I got one more and I'm hoping that's going to be it for now because working with four spirit animals is plenty for anyone, even a, a witch who's been practicing since 2005, such as myself. 
And this one came in in a really interesting way. I'm a huge Harry Potter fan. Thank you, J.K. Rowling. And I was wondered if I lived in the Harry Potter universe, which house would I be sorted into? And I know all you Harry Potter fans out there understand that. And, you know, everybody thinks that maybe they'd be in Gryffindor. So if you go on to J.K. Rowling's um, website, if you go into Pottermore, there's a quiz you can take that will sort you into a house. So I took the quiz and I was a Hufflepuff. And I was okay with that. I was reading about the qualities of Hufflepuffs. And I thought, okay, yeah, that's fine. And then I saw that the symbol of Hufflepuff is a badger. I thought, okay, I wonder if that's going to be another spirit animal or or not. So let's see if any other badgers crop up. And almost immediately, I was scrolling around on Facebook and a video popped up about an angry badger in the north of England. It had taken over the lower floor of some, um, I think it was a church, and they were trying to find a way to get it out of there without hurting it. And, I, you know, basically it had claimed this area and they kept describing it as very angry. And I thought that was kind of funny. And I started reading about badgers and then remembered when I was really little, there was a book I loved called... Um, Bread and Jam for Francis, and it was about a badger family and a little badger named Francis who had trouble trying different foods and liking foods other than bread and jam, and I really, really liked that book. So I started, again, reading more about badgers, and then I thought, okay, maybe this is going to be my latest spirit animal. The others were all remaining, though. They had not receded. I was still working with their energy, but I I welcomed in the badger because I felt... It was needed and necessary, and there was a reason it was coming in. And then when I read about one of the messages that Badger has when it comes in as a spirit animal is about persistence. And I thought, okay, yeah, that's good. That's a good message. I need to learn to be persistent. Determination is something else that they want to convey to you when you work with them. Family, self-reliance, but primarily the Badger is about storytelling digging and research. And I felt this was very appropriate as a writer, particularly because I'm going to write my first nonfiction book, which is going to take a lot of research about Wicca. And it's a very exhaustive subject and it's going to take a while. My fantasy books really didn't require research. It was all, you know, coming from my imagination. But a nonfiction book is going to be harder to write and I'm going to have to dig. I'm going to have to, as I said, do do research. So before we uh, wrap up here, I do want to include fear of certain animals, phobias. One of the most common, of course, fear of spiders, arachnophobia. And when I made a friend recently who told me she's always had a very serious case of this, I wondered, now, that's not her spirit animal. I'm not getting that from her. But I, I think there's a reason that she's so afraid of spiders. And it can't just stem from one bad experience. She really has always had this morbid fear of spiders. So when I did a little research, thank you, Badger, on that, I discovered that if you have a fear of a certain animal, there's a reason for that beyond any negative experience that you may have had with it. It's trying to teach you something. There's a, there's a real reason why that you're afraid and it's something that you don't want to look at. It's something you don't want to deal with. It's something that you've denied really about yourself or about a loved one perhaps. 
So if you broach the subject with someone, tread lightly, as I found out, because they don't want to hear it. They just, they're scared of spiders or sharks or being stung by a wasp or snakes or whatever it is that they're scared of. For me, it's uh, bugs in general, I'd say. Uh, It's not a phobia though, so uh, I wouldn't go that far, but there's a message there that I have yet to uncover. I'm, I'm willing though to explore it. I'm not in denial about whatever my fear of bugs has to teach me. So I'll get back to you all on that when I when I learn more about it. I do want to mention two of the books that have been very helpful to me in the exploration of spirit animals. The main one I've already mentioned, Animal Spirit Guides by Stephen Farmer. The other is Animal Speak by Ted Andrews. That's a wonderful book. Now that I've found my spirit animals, my life is so much fuller and richer and more magical. I hope the information in this podcast was helpful. May it inspire you to find your own spirit animals, and may they provide you with whatever you need to lead a fuller, richer, more magical life. Thank you for joining me today. If you have any questions or comments, please contact me at winecountrywitchpodcast at gmail.com. You can also visit my website, lisamiranda.com, and follow me on Twitter at ScorpioLisaM and on Instagram at ScorpioLisaM. Until next time, blessed be.